Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's episode is an excerpt from Longfellow's long narrative poem, Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie. Longfellow wrote three long poems, Evangeline, The Song of Hiawatha, and The Courtship of Miles Standish. They are much too long to read aloud in one sitting, but they contain much of Longfellow's best poetry, so I'll be reading excerpts from each of them as part of Fireside Poems. These episodes will sometimes be longer than usual, as this one is. Evangeline, a tragic love story, is based on a true event, the removal by British troops of the French-speaking Acadians from their home in what are now the maritime provinces of Canada during the French and Indian Wars that preceded the American Revolutionary War. Remembered by the descendants of those who suffered this ethnic cleansing as Le Grand Déragement, the Great Derangement, it resulted in the dispersal of the Acadian people throughout the English-speaking colonies, with many eventually gathering and settling in French-speaking Louisiana. Their descendants continue there today, still known as Acadians or Cajuns. In Longfellow's story, which he heard second or third hand, a young Acadian couple is separated on their wedding day before they are able to say their vows and placed on different ships at the conclusion of the poem's first half. The second half of the poem tells the story of the title character's long search for her beloved Gabriel throughout the lands that became the United States. Recalling in its two halves the epic poems of the Trojan War, the first half, culminating in the burning of the Acadian village of Grand Pré, calling to mind the fall of Troy, and the second half mirroring the ten-year journey home of Odysseus in the Odyssey, Evangeline might be called America's epic poem, both great and modest. It might also be considered the first American road novel. In today's passage, Evangeline and her Acadian companions are descending the Mississippi River in a large bateau to join the Acadians who have settled in Louisiana, where Evangeline hopes to find her Gabriel. Because of the Louisiana heat, the boatmen row through the nights and sleep on the shady banks during the days. Where the Mississippi swings east toward New Orleans, they leave it to enter into the Atchafalaya Basin. In the passage I've chosen, Gabriel, not knowing that Evangeline is looking for him, passes her as she sleeps with her companions on a shaded bank, heading north to lose himself, even as she is coming south to find him. Because of its beauty and its pathos, this is the most famous passage of the poem. I call it Atchafalaya. Achafalaya, from Evangeline, A Tale of Acadie, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Thus, ere another noon, they emerged from the shades, and before them lay in the golden sun the lakes of the Achafalaya. Water lilies in myriads rocked on the slight undulations made by the passing oars, and, resplendent in beauty, 
the lotus lifted her golden crown above the heads of the boatmen. Faint was the air with the odorous breath of magnolia blossoms and with the heat of noon. And numberless sylvan islands, fragrant and thickly embowered with blossoming hedges of roses, near to whose shores they glided along, invited them to slumber. Soon by the fairest of these their weary oars were suspended. Under the boughs of Washita willows that grew by the margin, safely their boat was moored and scattered about on the greensward, tired with their midnight toil, the weary travelers slumbered. Over them vast and high extended the cope of a cedar. Swinging from its great arms, the trumpet flower and the grapevine hung their ladder of ropes aloft like the ladder of Jacob on whose pendulous stairs the angels ascending, descending, were the swift hummingbirds that flitted from blossom to blossom. Such was the vision Evangeline saw as she slumbered beneath it. Filled was her heart with love, and the dawn of an opening heaven lighted her soul in sleep with the glory of regions celestial. Nearer and ever nearer, among the numberless islands, darted a light, swift boat that sped away o'er the water, urged on its course by the sinewy arms of hunters and trappers. Northward its prow was turned to the land of the bison and beaver. At the helm sat a youth with countenance thoughtful and careworn. Dark and neglected locks overshadowed his brow, and the sadness somewhat beyond his years on his face was legibly written. Gabriel it was, who, weary with waiting, unhappy and restless, sought in the western wilds oblivion of self and sorrow. Swiftly they glided along, close under the lee of the island, but by the opposite bank and behind a screen of palmettos, so that they saw not the boat where it lay concealed in the willows. All undisturbed by the dash of their oars, and unseen were the sleepers. Angel of God, there was none to awaken the slumbering maiden. Swiftly they glided away like the shade of a cloud on the prairie. After the sound of their oars on the foals had died in the distance, as from a magic trance the sleepers awoke, and the maiden said with a sigh to the friendly priest, O oh, Father Felician, something says in my heart that near me Gabriel wanders. Is it a foolish dream, an idle and vague superstition? Or has an angel passed and revealed the truth to my spirit? Then, with a blush, she added, Alas for my credulous fancy! Unto ears like thine such words as these have no meaning. But made answer the reverend man, and he smiled as he answered, Daughter, thy words are not idle, nor are they to me without meaning. Feeling is deep and still, and the word that floats on the surface is as the tossing buoy that betrays where the anchor is hidden. Therefore, Trust to thy heart and to what the world calls illusions. Gabriel truly is near thee, for not far away to the southward, on the banks of the Tesh, are the towns of St. Maur and St. Martin, 
There the long-wandering bride shall be given again to her bridegroom. There the long-absent pastor regain his flock and his sheepfold. In the early drafts of Evangeline, Longfellow used Gabriel, the feminine of Gabriel, as the name of the title character before changing it to Evangeline, a name Longfellow is thought to have invented, and shifting the name Gabriel to the love interest. Both are names with strong New Testament resonances. Gabriel is the angel who brings to Mary the good news that with her consent she is to be the mother of the Christ, and the evangelists are the writers of the good news of the Gospels. These Christian resonances are strong yet painful in this passage, as we're told, Angel of God, there was none to awaken the slumbering maiden. When Evangeline awakens, she nevertheless feels the nearness of Gabriel, without knowing that he has just passed by as she was sleeping, and she will not find him at his father's homestead. She asks her priest if he thinks an angel could have passed and revealed the truth to her spirit. Father Felician, also not knowing that Gabriel has just passed, gives her an assurance that is heart-rendingly mistaken. What was Longfellow thinking in giving to Evangeline's beloved the name of God's messenger angel, and then writing of his passing by as she sleeps, angel of God was there none? And then having Evangeline ask Father Felician if an angel has just passed, I can't really say, other than to say that, much as we wish it were otherwise, God often doesn't give us what we hope for. This mystery comes to us in the context of great beauty, and whatever the meaning of this mystery, it can't be understood separately from this beauty. As you listen again, be sure to take in as much of the beauty as you can the beauty of the water and the islands and the hummingbirds as they go up and down the hanging vines of flowers, like the angels ascending and descending the ladder of Jacob's dream, as well as as much of the pathos and as much of the mystery as you can. You also can afterward go to the passage itself and take in even more in reading and lingering over it or form a Zoom Longfellow book club and talk about it with friends, both old and new. Achafalaya, from Evangeline, A Tale of Akadi. Thus, ere another noon, they emerged from the shades, and before them lay, in the golden sun, the lakes of the Achafalaya, Water lilies and myriads rocked on the slight undulations made by the passing oars. And resplendent in beauty, the lotus lifted her golden crown above the heads of the boatmen. Faint was the air with the odorous breath of magnolia blossoms and with the heat of noon. And numberless sylvan islands, fragrant and thickly embowered with blossoming hedges of roses, near to whose shores they glided along, invited them to slumber. Soon by the fairest of these their weary oars were suspended. 
under the boughs of Washita willows that grew by the margin, safely their boat was moored, and scattered about on the greensward, tired with their midnight toil, the weary travelers slumbered. Over them vast and high extended the cope of a cedar. Swinging from its great arms, the trumpet flower and the grapevine hung their ladder of ropes aloft like the ladder of Jacob, on whose pendulous stairs the angels ascending, descending, were the swift hummingbirds that flitted from blossom to blossom. Such was the vision Evangeline saw as she slumbered beneath it. Filled was her heart with love, and the dawn of an opening heaven lighted her soul in sleep with the glory of regions celestial. Nearer and ever nearer, among the numberless islands, darted a light, swift boat that sped away o'er the water, urged on its course by the sinewy arms of hunters and trappers. Northward its prow was turned to the land of the bison and beaver. At the helm sat a youth, with countenance thoughtful and careworn. Dark and neglected locks overshadowed his brow, and the sadness somewhat beyond his years on his face was legibly written. Gabriel it was, who, weary with waiting, unhappy and restless, sought in the western wilds oblivion of self and sorrow. Swiftly they glided along, close under the lee of the island, but by the opposite bank and behind a screen of palmettos, so that they saw not the boat where it lay concealed in the willows, all undisturbed by the dash of their oars, and unseen were the sleepers. Angel of God was there none to awaken the slumbering maiden. Swiftly they glided away like the shade of a cloud on the prairie. After the sound of their oars on the tholes had died in the distance, as from a magic trance the sleepers awoke, and the maiden said with a sigh to the friendly priest, O Father Felician, something says in my heart that near me Gabriel wanders. Is it a foolish dream, an idle and vague superstition, or has an angel passed and revealed the truth to my spirit? Then with a blush she added, Alas for my credulous fancy, unto ears like thine such words as these have no meaning. But made answer the reverend man, and he smiled as he answered, Daughter, thy words are not idle nor are they to me without meaning. Feeling is deep and still, and the word that floats on the surface is as the tossing buoy that betrays where the anchor is hidden. Therefore, trust to thy heart and to what the world calls illusions. Gabriel truly is near thee, for not far away to the southward on the banks of the Tesh are the towns of St. Maur and St. Martin. There the long-wandering bride shall be given again to her bridegroom. There the long-absent pastor regain his flock and his sheepfold. When the British poet and pamphleteer on behalf of woman's rights, Carolyn Norton, read this passage, 
She was so moved by it that she had a seal made with the word Atchafalaya, that a pioneering proponent of women's rights should be moved by Evangeline isn't a surprise. Evangeline isn't just the American epic, it is a feminine epic. This doesn't mean that Evangeline the character takes on the exaggerated masculine roles of the heroes of the Iliad and the Odyssey, not to mention the female superheroes of today's enjoyable fantasies. No, Longfellow believes in the value of the feminine too much to simply make Evangeline a masculine figure in a woman's body. But as we'll see in another excerpt, Evangeline is the one figure in the epic who remains strong in the hour of affliction. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fireside Poems and that you'll join me again next week and visit this podcast website, firesidepoems.com, where you'll find my email address. I'd love to hear from you to learn a little bit about who you are and what you like as you join me each week by the fireside.